What actually happened to the people in Sodom and Gomorrah? Do you know? Do you know why? Just the names of these towns, Sodom and Gomorrah, are used in our culture in a warning or threatening manner. But I wonder how many of us have read this story and interpreted it apart from its cultural baggage. Even the revised common lectionary does not ask us to contend with the fullness of what happens in Sodom and Gomorrah. The lectionary only includes the section of Genesis 18 that we heard this morning. Everything seems like it's going to go well. We are left in a place that makes us assume, of course, there would be at least 10 righteous people. Certainly God will spare them. Nope. The lectionary does not offer us the rest of the story, which includes Lot's family being told to flee, questionable sexual ethics on the part of the Sodomites and Lot himself, the destruction of the towns, and the incest that follows. It's a troubling story to be sure, and I can understand why the writers of the lectionary decided to skip these parts. If they are in the Sunday morning lectionary, either a preacher is forced to make sense of them, or a congregation is left wondering how in the world this could all happen. These texts have significant cultural and religious baggage for many Christians, and particularly for those in the LGBTQ community and our allies. So I want us to take a closer look today and see where the good news is and how God is calling us through these stories. That's right. This morning, your gay preacher is going to take on Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> Let's start by saying that there is no clear textual evidence of homosexual activity, and there certainly isn't evidence that that activity is the reason for their destruction. In fact, Ezekiel 16, verse 49 states, This was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and the needy. The guilt of Sodom is related to their unwillingness to serve the poor and needy, their inability to share of their excess, and their lack of hospitality. The short pericope that is often cited as an indication of the Sodomite sexuality is just beyond our lectionary reading for today. It includes the men of Sodom going to Lot's house and asking to know the visitors that he has welcomed. This is to know in the biblical sense, or to have sexual relations. The problem here is with their lack of hospitality, their lack of concern for these visitors, and their perceived entitlement to the body of another. Lot offers his daughters as an alternative, which we can now see as problematic, but also rooted in a deeply patriarchal culture. The point here is that the sodomite sexuality is not the reason for their demise. It is their unwillingness to welcome the stranger and care for the poor that creates their problems. Might we Christians be more concerned with their actual faults? Might we be more concerned with their actions that are counter to the call we receive in Jesus Christ? 
With this knowledge in mind, let us return to the lectionary passage we heard today. We hear Abraham bargaining with God. Abraham, who knows God's goodness and mercy, questions God's willingness to destroy these sinful towns, and he wonders about those few righteous people who might be there. God agrees with Abraham and says he will spare the people should there be just 10 guiltless people among them. I imagine those 50 or 20 or 10 people that Abraham is concerned about, not just being righteous, but perhaps also being the victims of the unjust structures that rule Sodom and Gomorrah. The people Abraham is concerned about might be the hungry, the impoverished, or other people in need. Even those 10 cannot be found. Perhaps they have been run off or have left in search of a better life. Perhaps the people of Sodom and Gomorrah have become so insular and exclusive that people who do not have similar excess, pride, and prosperity choose not to even enter. The towns of Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed. There's certainly a tragic dimension here. It's hard to hear of our fellow humans being destroyed. Embedded in these challenging stories, I hear God's primary concern for the people who are mistreated and in need. God has a particular closeness with the disenfranchised, the marginalized, and the oppressed. This might be summarized in the Catholic social teaching of the preferential option for the poor. This teaching originally stems from Latino liberation theology. The preferential option for the poor notes the biblical theme of the centrality of poor people. It notes that Jesus spends a lot of time with, caring for, and talking about people experiencing poverty and isolation from society. When we look at the full arc of scripture, we see a caring God who covenants with his people, who seeks to create a just world for and with us, and who is willing to take on our messy human form. We see a God who is in close proximity to those that society has left out and forgotten. We see a God who would, of course, be present with the victims of Sodom and Gomorrah's injustice. Abraham and God's bargaining shows a preferential option for the poor, for even 10 righteous people among them, for 10 people who are helping those in poverty, for 10 people who share of their excess, for just 10 people who are living holy and humble lives. Considering the story of Sodom and Gomorrah in this way, it can be a liberating story, and it offers us a call to action. If God is with the few, with the marginalized, and with the oppressed, the stories we have heard about Sodom and Gomorrah may not make sense. In particular, this story is used against LGBTQ people. It seems like God would love and protect this community that is often pushed away and scorned. It seems like God would look for those who share authentic love, and God would protect them. This is a story that reminds us that God does indeed look out for us, 
and seeks to protect us in a world that can cause pain and harm. It is possible to read this story as one of queer liberation rather than one that causes harm, pain, and shame. God is with the LGBTQ community. God is with people who have not received necessary care and support, who have been pushed out, and who have been demonized. God is with people who share kindness and love freely, who live into their God-created selves, who relish in chosen family and in community. This liberating read, of course, extends to those experiencing poverty, to people of color, to indigenous people, to people who experience abuse, and on and on. God is near to and protects those who are hurting in this broken world. God delights in her creation and protects her people. When the people of Sodom and Gomorrah are wiped out, their harmful behavior ceases. They do not have further opportunities to abuse the people who are in need or who come to their towns. In destroying these cities, their selfish and prideful systems are destroyed as well. And I don't think that God takes this lightly. And this is in no way to suggest that we humans should enact revenge or retribution. But it does show that God desires places where flourishing, mutual care and concern, and generosity are made possible. The call embedded in this story is to care for people in need. While I do, of course, believe in God's forgiving and loving nature, our relationship with God and with God's people ought to motivate us to care for our fellow human. Just as we have saints who offer positive examples of a faithful life, sadly, we also have examples of lives we would not want to emulate. To be clear, the negative behavior that Sodom and Gomorrah show has nothing to do with their sexuality. The people in Sodom and Gomorrah show us a society where greed, pride, and selfishness rule. We certainly don't want that for ourselves though it does at times sound all too familiar. We can learn from the faults of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. We can follow our call from God to do exactly those things that the people of Sodom and Gomorrah neglected to do. Our call is to release our pride, to give of our excess, and when we do live in ease, to give aid to those who are in need. Rereading Sodom and Gomorrah gives us the opportunity to see that God's ways follow a different logic than the ways of the world. God will protect the few. God will seek out those in need of care and protection. God will look for the minority and keep them safe. Jesus reminds us to look for a single lost sheep. Jesus offers his individual body for the salvation of all. Just a few people make all the difference to God. God desires that we love one another, and the gender dynamics of that love are not what the concern is, rather that love is a guiding force for the way we live our lives. We are to share, to help, to care. 
we are to experience the true joy and flourishing that comes through God. We are to respect the bodies and dignity of the people around us. If God is willing to spare full cities for just 10, then God is certainly with each of us as individuals. God is guiding you, God is calling you, and God is protecting you. Amen.